you know, I always joke their motto should be, you know, why do something in one click when you can do it in ten? The first thing you need to know about Derek is that he's a funny, humble genius. He's also a web coder, database impresario, and one of the smartest marketers I've ever known. Today, we're going to talk with him about marketing automation. You're going to love this. This is the job of marketing. Stay tuned. I'm the host and producer, Ken Chow. Today, as I mentioned, we're featuring Derek Van Sant. If you currently use a marketing automation system, even if you think you've got it totally dialed in, I guarantee there'll be something in this show you can use. I called Derek last week, and we had a long conversation about it. Here's how it went. Derek Van Sant, thanks so much for being on the show. I wonder if you could start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, I've been, for I guess it's probably the last 10, 15 years, I've been building out demand gen systems for primarily venture-backed uh, software companies. And in almost every case, it's either been a situation where there needed to be a complete rebuild or there was nothing in place. Um, so I've kind of spent the last decade uh, really building out systems from scratch and I've kind of learned a lot along the way as far as what works and what doesn't. So, Derek, I want to start off today by asking you what is probably far from a simple question. What are the biggest challenges you see for marketers in choosing and getting the most out of their marketing automation systems? You know, I, probably if I say one thing that I, I see is people who get these systems and they don't really use them what they're intended for, right? Uh, they, they end up becoming just, you know, glorified email platforms for batch and blast campaigns. Um, if, you're really got, if you really want to get your money's worth out of these systems, if you really want to see the ROI and the improvement and the performance that you know, these vendors promise, uh, you really need to make the most of the tools and, and turn your demand gen or your marketing into an actual machine and a system and get away from, hey, what campaign are we going to run this week? And, what email are we sending this week? You know, you really want to, you know, to truly automate that stuff, right? Uh, and as far as, you know, picking a system, um, you know, we've discussed this in the past. Uh, for me, Marketo is, is the clear leader. Uh, not to sound like a Marketo ad, but I've used them all. Uh, and Marketo has the best balance of um, functionality and ease of use. Uh, some of the other, you know, Pardot and HubSpot and, they can do some of what Marketo does, but you have to do a lot more administrative overhead to make it all work. And, you know, same, same is true with Eloqua, right? Um, they probably are on par in a lot of ways, functionality-wise, to Marketo. But, um, you know, I always joke their motto should be, you know, why do something in one click when you can do it in 10? First, I want to let our audience know that I'm not here to endorse one product over another. From time to time, my guests may express an opinion that favors one product or another, and you can decide for yourself whether or not you agree with them. I will say that I typically won't have a guest on unless I believe they really know what they're talking about. So moving on, I asked Derek why he thought so many companies failed to fully leverage their marketing automation systems, and here's what he had to say. A couple reasons, probably. Um, you know, I see a lot of places where you know, you kind of wonder why it was brought in the first place. It's like, hey, you know, everyone's doing it. We got to go buy one. 
So you buy a system, and a lot of times it's just kind of thrown in lap in the lap of the junior marketer, right? And you know they're just not seeing the big picture and thinking about it that way. And and frankly, that the senior marketers there probably aren't either, or they wouldn't have you know just thrown it in their lap. And so that's why it just turns into a you know a, a, an email platform. Um, you know to really make this stuff work. I mean, the way I think about it is. You know, I think about all the different steps in, in the buyer's journey, you know, from awareness to making a decision, and, you know, your different personas that you're targeting. And I think about, well, what content do I want to send to each one of these combinations? So to each of these personas, you know, through their, at each step through the, the buyer's journey. And then using automation, I can set up all those pieces of content and fire them off um, when people reach those particular steps, right? So then everybody's kind of journey through the process and the content they get from us is personalized to them and their stage of the process. If you're just doing batch and blast, you're doing, you know, you're doing your prospects a big disservice, right? Because everyone's getting the same thing, regardless of who they are and where they are. Um, and the other part of this is, because you can then automate this stuff, um, it, it actually, once you get the original build done, it really reduces your administrative overhead and gives you more time to concentrate on the, you know, the important aspects of, of testing and trying new things and, and making improvements and less time just racing around thinking, oh my God, what are we gonna send this week and who's gonna send it and who's gonna set it up? Um, you know, that's, that's the promise of automation. The conversation continued on, and we got to the very practical question of who exactly in marketing should be setting up and running these systems. I strongly advocated for the idea of a dedicated headcount, a technical marketer, someone who not only sees the big picture, as Derek put it, but who also has pretty deep technical knowledge, things like scripting, databases, and so forth, so they can implement and integrate the technologies. I thought what he had to say on this was really interesting. Yeah, I think it's becoming a necessity, and I would probably take it even one step further. I, I would love to see more companies have a joint marketing ops, sales ops um, component, or at least, I mean, so much of, if you just take the lead management process, right, uh, if you, if you want to get away from the, the old concept of marketing generates leads and throws them over the wall and sales does stuff with them, we hope. Um, you know, if you want to, you want to kind of, if you want to have a really a co cohesive lead management process from start to finish, um, you know, a lot of that functionality lives in probably Salesforce or your CRM, right? So to to really get that dialed in, it really helps to either have one person who's got, you know, responsibility and um, a view into what's going on in Salesforce and what's going on in Marketo. Uh, or at least two people that are really joined at the hip. I thought Derek's arguments were really compelling, but when he got to the last part, about two people joined at the hip, I told him that I thought it was difficult enough to find one person like that, no less two of them. Our audience should note that Derek has a thriving business precisely because it's so hard to hire people with that skill set. So I asked him, how do you find even one person like that, like a version of himself ten years ago? It's 
a real challenge. And I mean, at one point I had an open uh, job position out for something like this. Um, and it was open for like six months and, you know, still ended up having, never did find, you know, the person with all the experience that I wanted, ended up having to uh, hire someone more junior and training them. And I suspect more times than not, and, and, you know, maybe this changes over time because you have to remember, I mean, marketing automation wasn't even really around five years ago. So it's, you know, maybe, you know, there's a whole other generation of people coming up and doing this and in the future it won't be as much of an issue, but I don't think that's the case. And the reason I believe that is, again, so many people who are getting this experience, who are running, you know, whether they're running it well or running it in some other capacity, it's, it's just a means to an end for them, right? Like they don't picture themselves I'm being the marketing automation person. Uh, they're thinking about other roles in marketing or it's just that, you know, hey, you, you manage Marketo or HubSpot just falls in their lap, right? So for a lot of people, by the time they start getting good at it, <laughs> they're looking for their next job and it has nothing to do with marketing automation. Well, since it's so tough to find those people, do you think it can be effectively outsourced? You know, it, it's uh, if, just by way of comparison, right? I, I think it makes more sense to outsource certain components of, uh, say, like managing Salesforce as opposed to marketing. Um, you know, for marketing automation, again, I'll, I'll use Marketo as an example. Um, you know, once it's properly set up, a, a lot of what, you know, I would be doing in it is just, copy and paste, right? You, you clone programs, you do stuff like that. Or, you know, if you build it outright, it's, you know, the systems aren't really changing that much. You're just adding content to it. So it's not really so much a, a technical burden as it is, you know, a big component of it is, you know, what's the quality of your marketing? Uh, what's the quality of your content, the quality of your emails? And, you know, you really can't outsource that stuff. I mean, you can, but uh, you know, that, that's knowledge that should come from, from in-house. Okay, so what role does the vendor or even the system itself play in bringing that in-house headcount up to speed? You know, one of the things I've found, and this is probably true of all vendors, you know, the training they provide uh, in the beginning when you, you take on one of these platforms is really technical. Uh, and I don't mean that in the sense of, like, it's really hard and technical, but it's focused on the technical aspects of the product. Uh, right, so there's no one to tell you, you know, really that's a bad way to approach email or, you know, here's really how you want to think about your segmentation. You know, instead you're going to get to do a segmentation, drag this filter here, you know. And so, you know, that's, that's one of the places that, you know, some companies will fall down is they'll look at it as a, a technical acquisition, but they're not really applying your kind of smart fundamental marketing principles to it. So I think we've determined that it is a hard headcount to hire for. Um, what do you look for when you start to recruit someone to take over that position? So my ideal, and I'll, I'll tell you what I look for first, uh, when I'm building out a department, because the technical part actually, you know, if I need to help someone to get something off the ground, like I think you need a technical person in there in the beginning to set things up right. Um, and especially... This is probably more true when you get beyond just running a marketing automation system and get into the bigger picture of, you know, how am I going to handle reporting and how are things are going to talk back and forth between Salesforce and Marketo. 
Um, but what I really, really want to find is a really good content marketer who knows how to write good emails and with a little bit of guidance can actually you know, run their Marketo system. So from there, the conversation moved from acquiring and staffing these systems to how to put them to best use. We started with testing. Um, I mean, not to be too vague, but I, I think everything is fair game for testing, right? Um, you know, one of the things I was always wary of, uh, and this probably happens in a lot of places, but it's kind of, you know, marketing decided by, you know, just conversations around a boardroom table. Like it's, you know, this is what we're going to do and, and this is going to be great. And, you know, even stuff that, so when I come up with my own ideas or, or things I, I want to try, I always assume, you know, they're, you know, I, I don't make any assumptions about them being the right decisions until I test it and see the results, right? I mean, at the end of the day, a smart marketing campaign is, again, it's decided by the market. Um, so, you know, obviously you try to put your best foot forward, but, you know, it's really up to the market to tell you whether you're, you're hitting the right note or not. And it's up to you to, if you're not, um, you know, pivot and try something else. And, you know, until you've tried several different things, you don't really know what's good and what's bad. At this point, I made a bit of a left turn to cover something Derek and I have discussed at great length and which I wanted to get to before the end of our time. I asked him about reporting from these systems and how it can be used to help the entire company and specifically the CEO. Not to mention the fact that it's a critical component of every marketing head's activity that I like to call justify your life. Yeah, I mean, you have to tie what you do to metrics that the CEO cares about, right? And, and that pretty much revolves around one number, and that's revenue. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned the importance of having either one person or two people kind of tied at the hip as far as running your, your marketing systems and your, your CRM systems. Uh, and the reason that's important is if you really want to tie your marketing programs to revenue, you can't just stop tracking things at the point where you create an appointment for a sales rep or an opportunity. You really have to track it all the way through to revenue. And that, you know, usually means, you know, getting data back from your CRM, right? And so, um, you know, those intermediate metrics are important because they can kind of help you in your testing and your, your iterating and, you know, conversion rate from, from lead to appointment and appointment to opportunity. But you definitely have to kind of keep an eye on, on what is converting from, you know, lead to win. So you may have heard on last week's show, I touched on something with Holger when I talked about the decision I made as a CMO to sign up for an opportunity number as defined by sales. Uh, all the other intermediate metrics, including that dreaded word leads, uh, were still important. Um, but by being on the hook for what is essentially the revenue number, we were better able to isolate and measure the performance of sales and marketing together. Yeah, well, that's, that's the truth, right? I mean, the, uh, and it always works that way. In fact, you know, even to take it kind of one step further, if, if for whatever reason maybe sales is hitting it out of the park, you know, actually, if marketing is struggling, they can, it kind of goes unnoticed, right? It's everyone cares about revenue. And if you're hitting the revenue number, you know, everybody's happy. <laughs> it almost doesn't matter, right? Um, but if you're not hitting the revenue number, it's important to really be able to show, well, look, here's what we're doing. And, you know, revenue, if you think about it, 
it's it's a mathematical formula, right? It's number of leads, conversion rate to appointments, appointments to opportunities, uh, and win rates and ASP. Um, so it always struck me when people would say, oh, we missed a number, what happened? Well, <laughs> it's a mathematical formula, right? You gotta find where your assumptions were wrong. Uh, e either you didn't have a, a quantity you thought you would or your conversion rate somewhere was off, right? And depending on where that, that miss was, it could be a sales issue, it could be a marketing issue, it could be a, a BDR team issue, right? And so, and what, but what happens almost invariably, it's, oh, we need more leads, right? <laughs> so if you do have an issue with a conversion rate downstream, you know, just shoving more stuff in the top of the funnel, although often the kind of go-to answer, it's not necessarily the best answer. So what's the best way to integrate these sales and marketing systems together to get to that level of reporting? And once you have it, does it actually help sales and marketing mesh as a team? Yeah, no, I think it absolutely can uh, help them mesh. And, you know, I, I think the, the first step is before you do anything, map it out, right? I'll, almost work backwards from your perfect dream dashboard, right? So what metrics are you going um, are, are to care about and, and follow? Um, what's your lead management system look like? you want to be able to track the different stages in the funnel and, and figure out how quickly is it moving through the funnel and where are things getting stuck. Because um, there is, you know, there's, <laughs> this stuff can get really complicated really quickly. And if you just kind of do it ad hoc, build a little here, build a little there, it, it almost never works out. So you really kind of have to treat it like a formal project, map it all out, get the stakeholders involved. Um, and I'm, I'm actually going through this same process with a, a client of mine right now, and it's it's been a long process, right? It's a global sales force. Um, you know, half of our time is just spent on on calls with sales leaders, figuring out their concerns and um, you know their requirements, and then working with sales ops and and you know getting everything working. It's it's a big process, but it's it's worth it because the price of not doing it is is chaos. So it sounds like, despite all this complex integration, that the real goal is simplicity, right? To give everyone the easiest possible way to see what's going on. And that extends to external marketing as well, doesn't it? To avoid overcomplicating the way we communicate with our target market? Yeah, I mean, uh, simplicity is it's kind of a key part of, of, at least for me, everything I, I do. And, you know, I, I just mentioned the complexity of the project I was on, but the output of it is, Sales reps have a single view to see everything they have to do, right? That's the output. That's the simplicity we're going after. Um, in, in marketing messaging, um, you know, it's don't write war and peace when, you know, two sentences will do. Um, people don't have time for that, right? You got to keep it simple and get straight to the point. Uh, and the, the, the way you build out a demand gen process, I, you know, in some places it seems like, it's, it's somehow, a, you know, you got to do a little bit of everything. You, you got to have social media, you got to do banner advertising, you got to do email, you got to, well, no, you don't, not really. Uh, it depends on your market. But look, before you try 10 different channels and things, figure out what the two or three things that are really going to make a difference and focus on those and get those right, right? So, you know, in, in every element, um, you know, it's all about simplicity and you know, one more thing, I, 
I've said this before, as much as anything, it's, it's a marketer's job to prioritize. There is no shortage of ideas, of software, of channels, of things you can try or do. Um, you know, it's really, as much as anything, your job to make the right choices and to not try and do everything, right? That, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the most profound things I've ever heard. At this point in the conversation, Derek and I reminisced a little bit, and we talked about some of the programs we ran together when he worked for me. After testing, we found one or two pieces of content via one or two channels that really worked, and we'd devote our resources to hammering the snot out of that. Here's Derek's remembrance. It'll make a great war story for a future program. Yeah, no, and not only that, but the uh, consistency of that. One thing that struck me is, you know, a big part of what we did, right, was promoting the, the Gartner Magic Quadrant. And it was like clockwork. It wouldn't really tail off in effectiveness until about August, right? So in August of every year, we'd say, oh, look at this, it's starting to tail off again. Um, it was amazingly uh, consistent and predictable. Uh, but, you know, we used it straight for six, seven months without really much any drop off at all. We reached the end of our time, and I asked Derek, as I do with all my guests, what words of advice he'd offer our audience. And here's what he said. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess one thing I would say, and it kind of ties together some of the themes we've talked about, but, um, you know, two things. One, again, keep it simple. Stay focused on what works and, you know, Stay focused on what works and don't worry about the stuff that doesn't. You know, you don't have to do a little bit of it or just not as much. Just don't do it at all. You know, focus on what works. Uh, the other part is, and this again kind of speaks to the, um, the, the automation aspect of it. Think about what you're doing is building a machine, right? It's, get away from the what campaign are we running this week? What campaign is, is next month? Think about, you know, at least this has served me well, is to think about, again, what are the stages of the buyer's journey? What are the different personas? What do I want to say and do to each of these people as they move through the process? And then build that process out and automate it, right? And then just run people through the machine. Um, you combine those two aspects, and it's what makes you know, life manageable because you have an automated, repeatable process, and it's relatively simple, right? That, that, that'll help you keep your sanity. Well, that's all for this week. I want to thank Derek Van Sant, founder of Scalable Demand. You can find out more about his company at scalabledemand.com. Remember, you can find our podcasts on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. You can also visit our blog, thejobofmarketing.com, to find these shows as well as a host of other posts and articles. Tune in next week where we'll be talking to Megan Bosman about the best way to get feedback and content from your customers.